Welcome to the very first episode of The Armchair Cricketer. So it's a new podcast I've started because I listened to a few other cricket podcasts out there and in all honesty, none of them were that great. Everyone was kind of just recapping what happened, no real insights, tactics discussed, what could have happened or anything like that. So I've decided to do it on my own, change it up and let's see how we go. For the very first episode, we're going to be looking at South Africa versus Australia in the 2023 World Cup semi-final. What a game that was. Happened. South Africa won the toss, elected to bat. Probably the right decision given their record in the World Cup so far. Australia came out as Australia does in knockout games. Started hitting a line at length. It was like watching Glenn McRae back in action, um, except his name was Josh Hazelwood this time. They were really hard to get away. Started picking up wickets. All of a sudden, they were four down. Then there was a bit of rain. The pitch settled a bit, but the attitude to it, South Africa's attitude to its batting was much better as well. They started getting some runs, and then, you know, it kind of went both sides from there onwards um, for the rest of the South Africa innings, but also the Australian innings. Australian innings was off to a quick start. Um, Travis Head and David Warner really got them off to a blinder after the first three overs. And then that probably proved to be the difference in the match. But yeah, I'd like to touch on a few different um, occasions in the game where, you know, things could have been done differently. And let's start looking into that now. The first point of discussion is, should Temba Babuma had played? I think one thing that a lot of people don't realise is, you had to be ruthless to win World Cups. And Babuma should have been told, mate, you averaged 20 in seven games. Sorry, but you're not playing. The tap on the shoulder's coming. Frieza Hendricks, I can't remember who he played against, but he scored 80 in one innings. Um, so, you know, he almost had as many runs as Babuma in two games compared to Babuma seven. And I don't know Risa Hendricks that well. I don't know if it was the solution or not. And I understand Babuma's the captain, but I don't think Babuma should have played. So when I say this, some people bring up the point that, oh, you can't drop a captain. Actually, you can. You know, it has happened before. And guess what? The last time in my memory that happened, the team actually ended up winning the uh, World T20 Cup trophy, which was Sri Lanka in 2014. Chandimal was the captain. The winning captain was Lasit Malinga because Chandimal had to drop himself. And, you know, when you're in these world tournaments, you need to realize that the team is greater than the individual. And I think that would have been a really good starting point um, for South Africa and Bafuma themselves to take as well. Something that's really frustrating about ODI cricket these days is the team's inability to read a pitch and assess a pitch really quickly. And it always feels like a lost art, a lost skill now where for whatever reason they start with 450 to be the set target and they come down from there almost to see if what the maximum amount of runs you can get. Conceptually that sounds fine but the reality is in like in practice it just doesn't work out and this was one of those pitches where you know what five overs in six overs in seven overs in eight overs in at any stage of the game South Africa should have realized 240 will be a very tough score to chase. You can go all the way back to 1996 semi-final when India-Sri Lanka played in Eden Gardens. This ground has never been an easy ground to chase down targets on. And the more runs you have on board, the more chance you have of winning and finishing off the game. So it was really disappointing to see. I understand they were, you know, next to nothing almost at 
six overs, seven overs, eight overs. But what they should have started realizing was if we contain our wickets and then go after some runs at the end, which also is what you guys have been doing quite successfully throughout the whole tournament. Every game you've won batting first, you've had Miller, Ma, um, Klassen and what's his name, Jansen, Jansen, sorry, um, batting really well at the end. So there's a set formula, there's a bit of assessment required off the pitch, and that's the strategy you should have um, gone after. Not panic, come the Australia bowling really well in the first 10 overs, which was always going to happen. There will never be an Australia side which will bowl crap in a World Cup semi-final. The game, you know, take it to your advantage as much as you can and then try to win from there. But none of that really happened, which was really disappointing to see from a South African point of view especially given their record in past knockout stages, you would think that they don't come up with just a plan A, but a plan B, a C, a D, and an E. And from what I saw, it was quite evident that South Africa just came with a plan A. So we've heard a lot about what South Africa did wrong, but what about Australia? Did they have the perfect first innings? Is that why they ended up winning the game? And in all honesty, no, no, um, Cummins' captaincy was horrible. It was so horrible to the point against a better side, against an India, they actually would have lost that game because of these decisions. The three critical decisions for me was his decision to keep bowling Sampa. One, he has a very poor record against Miller, which we all saw on TV. They were kept on showing how Sampa's never gotten him out and goes at about 130 strike rate. His decision not to bring... Travis Head earlier was probably bad as well, but that wasn't one of the one of the threes I was thinking. His decision not to bowl out Hazelwood when the guy was going at 1.5 runs per over, which I haven't seen since Morley had, you know, nine runs for the 10 overs um, against New Zealand in a Sharjah match about 25 years ago now. And then finally to keep uh, bowling himself when he was going significantly worse than what the other fast bowlers were going at. So there was a, definitely a few decisions uh, that was very questionable. I'm also not sure about Cummins' reliance on his short ball tactics. Um, it definitely paid off this one because of the slow ball bounce and being hard to hit and Miller getting caught out. But that hit was only a couple of metres away from being a six. And also, you know, like where's the Yorker gone? Like he's actually got quite a decent Yorker when he does pull it out. He doesn't pull it out quite often. But it's important to make sure, you know, you have all the weapons ready to go when you're approaching a World Cup final. And then speaking of Miller, if I was to be extremely critical, I think the question has to be asked from David saying, mate, you've just got 100, you've just gotten your team back into this game out of nowhere. You've hit a six. Did you really need to try and hit another six? I think to be fair, the wickets were falling so fast on the other end, he was probably doing the right thing and had he hit a six, no one would be questioning this and we'd be saying, oh, what a he's one of the greatest of all time, probably would have won, in the, won the game as well had he scored another 30 runs. Um, but yeah, it was really questionable for me, that decision. I think you've got to be very clever when you're batting with a number nine, number 10, number 11, those kind of things. Um, but in all honesty, it's very hard to be critical of him when he's scored 100. I think the criticism has to go on one person, if it was one person in particular in the low order, probably Maharaj. He's actually batted quite well in this series, uh, you know, gotten them over the line in that game where they were nine down, I think, against Pakistan from memory. 
and then you come in, there's a pitch where none of your star batsmen have been able to hit, you know, on the up, and you try to hit a over the cover off, um, off drive six. Like, I don't know what you were thinking. Like, just seriously, you need to play for your team. You need to grind, and that was the difference between Australia and South Africa. And it often turns out to be the difference between South Africa and many teams. There's a lot of selfish play and stupid play, to be honest. Like, there's things you could do without... Anyway, so all of that happens. South Africa gets to 238 runs. Very similar score to the semi-final in 1999, which probably didn't sit too well with them. And then they come out to bowl. And now this is where I have so many issues with South African tactics, South African attitudes. And when people say, did they choke? And when a lot of people say, not really, I disagree. I reckon this was probably worse than some of their other chokes. And I'll explain why. Everyone has seen all throughout the day that what works on this pitch is bowling line and length. You bowl line and length, probably on the shorter side of that length piece when they do that map, it was just about impossible to hit. It was very hard to hit it on the up, it was very hard to do anything about it, and the line had to be slightly outside off stump to about, I don't know, another set of stumps um, outside off stump. And it was just extremely hard to play that line. On top of that, they clearly came out with a plan for Travis Head, who seems to have a weakness in that um, area of the game, which I didn't realise till they were targeting it, and it turns out he got out um, throughout the tournament a couple of times in that area as well. So they came out with the right plan, and they just could not execute it. For every ball they got in the right spot, Jansen would bowl one to two wides and then from Rabada's point of view mate you used to be a number one or two ball in the world um, even right now you're number 10 or 11 from memory and um, Mohammed Shami is actually one underneath you but you just don't come up to anywhere near the same standard as what Bumra, uh, Bumra, Shami and Siraj are delivering probably more Bumra and um, Shami in particular there's no excuses with them. They come out, they hit the length, and they get started. They apply the pressure on the batsman straight away, and they just don't miss. If you want to score against the Indian bowlers right now, you have to take risks. And you had the perfect pitch with somewhat South African conditions, I would argue, the way it was moving and things like that, to execute this plan. And you just couldn't do it at all. You were missing your length. You were missing your line. After about the first 10 sixes that Warner and um, Hen hit, and they didn't actually hit 10 sixes, but after the first couple, it was so obvious, don't attack the stumps because they're just standing on middle and off and just slugging it away. For whatever reason, if you bowled at the stumps full, it seemed to be quite easy to hit. If you bowled at the stumps short, David Warner is one of the best pullers and hookers of the game. Um, Travis had not so much, especially if you get his armpit area, but you kept on bowling it to water at the worst point you could. And you just, you guys just couldn't execute the line in length. When you're in a World Cup semi final, it doesn't matter how old you are. Like, I know Jansen's 23, Rabada's, um, how old is he now? He'd probably be early 30s or late 20s. 
if you're representing your country in a cricket World Cup, you need to be hitting a line in length, especially if you're the two opening bowlers. There's no excuses that. If you can't do that, you should um, walk yourself out of the team because you should let someone who actually can do that, um, you know, execute for your country instead. And ultimately, this six over seven over passage cost you the game. It was insane. You just kept on missing. They kept on hitting. You bowled about four or five wides, maybe three or four. You bowled a no ball, which cost um, seven runs because that was a six. And then the free hit cost another six runs as well. You just couldn't execute anything you needed to be. But once again, it goes back to what I said about South Africa's batting innings. You didn't come up with a plan B, plan C, plan D. Maybe your plan A was the right plan to go ahead, but you couldn't execute it. And guess what? If you can't execute it in a semi-final, you're not going to win. And to me, that is what um, choking is. It's a part of what choking is. And then as the innings went along, it got much worse from there. Then we look at Temba Bavuma's captaincy. And I've had an issue with his captaincy. I can't remember which game it was, but it was the other one they lost. And it was just so defensive. And it's frustrating to watch because, mate, you've got 230 to defend. Go for everything. Go for your life. Try different things. If you lose, you lose. If they bat anywhere close to 40-plus overs, you're 99% of the time going to lose as well, defending 213 runs. You don't have a McGrath, a Warren, a Brad Hogg. You don't have these guys who can bowl. Even if you look at your own people like Adele and Donald, a Sean Pollock, these guys who can bowl, you know, 10 overs, 15 runs and things like that. With the attack you had, your best chance of winning this game was getting them out, getting them all out within 40 overs. And you did nothing. Your captaincy in the second half of the innings was quite good, but when the match was there, out to be won, you did nothing. So firstly, Jansen, um, Jansen, oh, I did stop calling him Jansen. Jansen bowled three wides and you didn't take him off. He looked like he had no confidence at all. I don't know what's happened behind the doors, Every time he bowled, the poor kid was looking at the ground like he wanted to cry. Maybe that's just how he is, or maybe that's how he conducts himself, or maybe that's what his natural reactions are like. If that's the case, you guys should probably look into getting some consultant help to help him out with that kind of stuff as well, like, you know, body language and things like that. He just didn't look confident. As a captain, you should have seen that and gone, all right, Maybe I'll try Kutsir, maybe I'll try Maharaj, maybe I'll try Makram, maybe I'll try, I don't know who else in your team in bold, but whoever it is, because you guys just needed to try something. Then there was a time where, you know, you were getting the line right to Travis Head, but and you had a plan in place, but you didn't have a third slip in place. I know third slip is almost unheard of in ODI cricket, but once again, you're you're defending 213 runs. You got to go for it. You got to put these things in. Just pretend to be Shane Warne for a day. Just be like, what would Warne do? He would always over attack and not, you know, over defend. And it took you about 10 overs to realize that you need to start over attacking. And unfortunately, the game was gone by then. 12.3 overs in, 97 runs wiped off by the Australians. And all of a sudden, Babuma's captains, he started to improve. He started bringing on the spinners. He started trying different things. And what really led the Proteus down here was their fielding. I still remember playing um, EA Cricket 2002. 
And South Africa's fielding was ranked as five stars. That was one more star than any other team in the game. And what I saw in the semifinal was horrendous. They were just dropping catches left, right and centre, missing chances, missing run-out chances. And it was just not good enough, really. And I think there's another element of choking coming into this conversation all over again, which is if you can't take critical catches, that is an element of choking. I think the last team I can remember choking or potentially match fixing as um, this badly was the Pakistani outfit in the 2011 World Cup where they just dropped Tendulkar like 5 million times from memory (laughs) and lost the game because of it. But it was interesting. South Africa pretty much did everything they had to do in order to lose this game instead of doing everything they had to do or even doing 80% of what they had to do to win this game matches there's always an element of the rub of the green like which way does the luck go which team is you know more benefited by god and unfortunately south africa everything went against them as well and i think one of the key um situations or moments or whatever you want to call it was when manas labushen's um lbw decision was umpire's call and he was given not out you know, granted, it was quite marginal and it was on the outside, but I think from an ICC point of view, like, you rely on technology so much these days. It has to be either out or not out. I don't like this umpire's call decisioning. It's just such a nothing decision, and I just don't understand the purpose of it anymore. If we are saying we are going to rely on the technology we should test, take, um, rely on it 100%. Because the reality is if the ball is hitting the stumps, you know, even 1% or 2%, a lot of the time the bells come off and they're out. And if they don't, that's the 1% or 2% of the time they don't. Maybe make that the requirement, you know, the ball has to be hitting 98% or 97% of the ball has to be hitting. If not, it's considered not out because we're not 100% that the bells would come off. But this whole unbiased call thing just needs to go, in my opinion. I thought the spinners from both teams missed a trick in the trajectory that they bowled. Probably not Buckram. He was probably the uh, best bowler, which is really weird because he's not the best bowler by any means out of that lot. But all of Zampa, Shamsi, um, probably Maharaj, not as much. They gave it a bit too much flight for my liking. And it just didn't seem to be as threatening. Maharaj's first wicket did come because of the flight and everything he did. That was a really beautiful ball. But I thought the way to go on that pitch was just to really channel your Ida Rabindra Jadeja, you know, hit your line length and just keep there and dart them in. Don't let them um, get underneath the ball. Don't let them be able to reach your length in one hit as well. What else was really interesting was Australia's batting towards spin. So this is a team that lost a test series because of sweeping and reverse sweeping early in the year. And guess what tactic they brought out again? Sweeping and reverse sweeping. I still remember Jadeja's uh, press conference. <laughs> he just had a laugh at the Australian um, lineup and said, oh, if it was up to us, we would never sweep or reverse sweep on these uh, pitches. To be fair, I thought the sweep worked quite fine. A lot of people got away with it. Some of the shots were quite nice with the sweeps. But the reverse sweep was just not on in that ground and they just could not be doing it. 
I think um, Maxi needs to be careful with his leg spin on the leg stump going back and trying to hike it as well. They showed the replay of Cool Blip, your dove, getting him out the exact same way. Um, I think it's going to be a big risk for the final, but more on that later. Speaking of the spinners, one last thing that needs to be said out loud is Shamsi. If Shamsi wants to be a serious international cricketer, he needs to not bowl 50 million wides per game. South Africa bowled so many wides in that game when you're defending 213. It was one of the most ridiculous performances I've seen. Like, you guys are professional athletes. You get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, potentially millions when all the T20 leagues are considered. You've got to be better than bowling so many wides. If you bowl a wide every now and then, if one slips, that's fine. But you can't be doing that two, three times an over and, I don't know, five, ten times in innings. You know, you've got 60 balls, like, just do it right. And honestly, if Shamsi had his line right, they probably had a high chance of winning as well. When the game was pretty much lost, I liked how Kedzie came on. I don't know if that was Bobuma's call or someone else suggested or Kedzie put his own hand up or whatever it was. He came in, he bowled some bounces, and I remember the commentators were making reference to Watson versus Barbary as, um, which which was really good to see. And, you know, it did cause a bit of havoc. He bowled Yorkers, he bowled bounces. But once again, too little, too late. Where was that when the guys were 97 for, you know, one down or two down um, at 10 overs? Like, where was all of this when... Australia was starting and Jansen couldn't bowl anything but a wide. Where was this when Rabada was bowling, you know, hit me balls at David Vaughan's legs? Like, seriously, that's when all of this should have happened. And I'm also questioning, should Rabada have had played? Like, he has a bruised heel. He couldn't bowl towards the end. Because I, I still feel like they weren't fully out of it even when Katsiev was finished. They were probably still going to lose. But if you had... Uh, Rabada coming in, bowling 145 clicks and, you know, potentially getting a nick. There was still a chance of getting those wickets. And if that's the case, and, and his fitness hasn't looked great throughout the tournament, like, should he have played? Like, if you have a guy who's not capable of bowling 10 overs in 50 over cricket, you just shouldn't be playing them. Which was really interesting. But once again, you know, all everything they tried was too little, too late. And South Africa needs to change that up in the next four years before the next World Cup comes if they want to get rid of this choking tag. They need to up their field into the standards of the early 2000s and the late 90s. It's quite sad to see how they feel now compared to what they used to. And I think the most disappointing thing was that their fielding was actually quite good at the start of the tournament, throughout the tournament, really. Um, but they're just not, you know, capable of bringing that heat up like they used to be um, later down in the tournaments. So for me, this was probably their worst choke in the sense that this was probably one of their most winnable games, like, you know, notch up 240 and then put the pressure on, ball line and length and field properly, take all your catches, get your run out chances, you probably win the game. And, um, yeah, I don't think for even second, they gave themselves a shot in all honesty. So what does this mean in the final? Playing India on Sunday at Ahmedabad in front of 130,000 people. I've never seen a ground with 130,000 people before. Going to be seeing this on TV. Very excited for it. So what does this all mean? Is Australia a chance of beating India? Personally, I don't think so. I would love for that. I would love to see that because I'm an Australian supporter. 
But in all honesty, I think India is just way too good of a team. Even if Australia brings the heat like they did against South Africa, I just can't see India crumbling like South Africa did. India would probably take up that pressure and, you know, end up scoring 300 in those exact same situation. So, and then you have, you know, 50 overs of Bamra, Siraj, um, Yadav, Jadeja and um, Shami to work out. 300 runs with, um, I think it's going to be a very, very tough ask for um, Australia to try win this tournament. I'd love to see it. I think India is going to be that red hot favourite, and I think um, India might absolutely clean up the World Cup with Australia, like a reversal of the 2003 World Cup. In all honesty, will be interesting to see, but um, that's my prediction. Would love to hear what your prediction are. That's been said. My take on the game, the analysis, and you know any other comments. Would love to hear your feedback. Check on your comments on Spotify or Apple or honestly, I haven't podcasted before, so how it works. And hopefully in the future I can put an email address or something like that as well. But would love to hear your Q&A so that I can do the ace if I get the cues. Anyways, thank you for being with the Armchair Cricketer. So, so hope to see you guys soon. Merge analysis as well in the future. See you soon.